Hi everyone. Hello. Is that all right? Yeah. Am I working, Jansen? Cool. Hey. I love seeing everyone. This is great. Um, so as James said, I'm Adam. I don't know everyone. There's a lot of people that I'm like, oh, I don't know these people. Like now that we've come back together, there's a lot of people that I'm excited to get to know. So well done for making it out. This is really great to see everyone. Um, Luki and I lead a life group on Tuesdays. And we also help lead the young adults ministry that we have. And we meet Saturday nights. So uh, great job, those guys. If you're in our life group or young adults, I love you guys. <laughs> um, I'm just going to pray real quick. Lord, I thank you for this church. Thank you that we can meet together outside. Thank you that you have brought this community together. I thank you for James and Lee who lead us so well. Pray that you'll bless us this morning that you will impart wisdom to these people, that I will have ears to hear what you are trying to say, Lord God, and that you will touch hearts this morning. Amen. Am I all right, Carol? Am I standing in the right place? Okay, good. I might walk around a lot. Usually, like, James, James likes to give me, like, a stand so that I stand still, but he hasn't done that today. <laughs> Yesterday, we went over to, to Georgetown, and uh, Luke, Luke and I have been in Canada a few years, and every time we kind of leave Mississauga, and suddenly the houses stop, and it just becomes fields, and we're like, this is Canada. This is what we expected when we moved to Canada, and it's great when we go out and it's just so open, and I really like it. So we were driving past this one field, and it was full of corn, and it looked ready to, ready to harvest, and it was a massive field. We drove past it for quite a few minutes and it just kept going. And then eventually we got to the end and there's this one guy in the corner and he's just got his, his little scythe, I believe it's called, the little like half moon sword that they use to cut it down. So he's in the corner with this and he's trying to harvest the field on his own with his one tool. This isn't a real story, this is, a, this is an illustration. <laughs> It also turns out that this guy does in fact have a combine harvester in his barn. But the thing is, the combine harvester hasn't been assembled yet. So he has it, it's shiny and new, probably cost him a lot of money, and it could harvest this whole field in a couple of days if he was able to use it. But instead, it's in bits, and he's working on his own trying to harvest this field. And the parts of the combine harvester rec represent the community. If we are each doing these things on our own, if we're sat in the barn, not working together in pieces, then no matter how hard this one guy works on his own, he might be doing a great job and his heart and his passion might really be in it. But he's not getting very far if he doesn't have the community put together and helping him out. Second illustration, imagine a waterfall, a really big waterfall. I believe there's one not too far away. We've been there. But imagine that it's coming over the cliff, but at the bottom of the waterfall, it's just desert. There's nothing there. But as this water's, but you're like, hang on, there's all this water coming out. And if you look closely, the ground is full of cracks and the water is coming over and it's just disappearing and it's not forming a river that goes out to then water the whole land. 
And the cracks, or the ground, I suppose, is us. And if there's cracks in our community, then that water, those blessings from God that continue to come down, can very easily get lost through the cracks in our community. And from that, the blessing that God is sending does not reach the land and create beautiful, lush trees and grass and everything else. Here's a fun fact. There's 1,189 1, chapters in the Bible. And I don't know if I told Greg, but he read the one chapter that I was going to read to you when he started the service. So I'm going to read it again. This is Psalm 133. How wonderful and pleasant it is when brothers live together in harmony. For harmony is as precious as the anointing oil that was poured over Aaron's head. This psalm, by the way, is written by David, and the anointing oil was something that was very precious to them. Harmony is as precious as the anointing oil that was poured over Aaron's head and ran down his beard. Harmony is as refreshing as the dew from Mount Hermon that falls on the mountains of Zion. And there, this is the important bit, and there the Lord has pronounced his blessing, even life everlasting. So if I was going to summarize it in one sentence, it'd be this. How wonderful and pleasant it is when people live together, for there the Lord has pronounced his blessing. I like wonderful and pleasant because it feels good and it does good. That is what community does for us. And at this point, I'll go back to my notes because that's as far as I got from memory. <laughs> you might have noticed that Three of the last four weeks James has preached to us, and all of those three out of the four weeks have been about community. And I feel like he's onto something, and I feel like he's trying to make a point. So I kind of want to back him up on that, because it's important. <laughs> Especially as we get vaccinated, restrictions are beginning to lift, the sun is out, we're all here, this is so great. So what better time to really in enforce the importance of community and being together and how wonderful and pleasant that is. So Psalm 133 tells us that community brings blessing. <clears throat> but if that isn't enough to convince you, I got another example. The Bible often tells us in, uh, in the New Testament that Jesus went away to quiet places to pray. A habit that I would recommend, that we all do sometimes. But there's a story in the Bible, and this is actually the last time that Jesus went away by himself to pray. This was shortly before he got arrested. He had had the, the last supper with his disciples. He knew he was going to get arrested, and he took a couple of his disciples off to the Mount of Olives, one of his favorite places, to go and pray. And the last time that he got this opportunity, the last time he had his alone time when he was on earth, <clears throat> do you know what he prayed for? He was praying for you guys. This is in John 17. Let me read it to you. Try and pay attention. It can get a little bit confusing. I'm going to read it twice. I'm reading from the NLT because I find that is how I talk. <laughs> I, I don't <laughs> You'll have to excuse my accent. <laughs> if, you, if I read the King James with my English accent, you wouldn't understand it. 
So Jesus has gone to the Mount of Olives. First of all, he prays for his disciples and he prays for the blessings over them because he knows he's going to leave them on their own. And then he prays for you guys as the people that hear the disciples' message. So he prays this. This is Jesus speaking. I pray, Lord, not only for these disciples, but also for all that will believe in me through their message. I pray that they will be one, just as you, Father, and I are one. As you are in me and I am in you, may they also, may they be in us, so that the world will believe that you sent me. I have given them the glory you gave me so that they may be one as we are one. And I am in them and you are in me. And may they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. I'm going to try and read it again. I'm praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will believe through their message, you guys, that I pray that they will be one just as you and I are one, just as God and the Father are one, we are to be one. As you, Father, are in me and I am in you, and may they be in us so that the world will believe that you have sent me. So that the world will believe through our unity, the world will believe that God has sent us or that we represent him. But here's an observation that kind of came to me. That this isn't exactly a prayer that God can answer in the way that you might think about it. Because God, he doesn't force us to be in community because he's given us free will. Jesus prays for it, but God's not going to be like, okay, cool, well, there you go, you're in community, and there's nothing you can do about it. God gives us the choice to pursue that. <clears throat> in God's humility and infinite wisdom, he gives us that choice to be responsible for our own actions. What a fantastic gift that we have the opportunity to partner with God in that. If God made us do that and we didn't have a choice about it, it wouldn't be such an exciting adventure and partnership. God loves to partner with us. He doesn't like to make us do things because that is not how he works. He wants us to choose to partner with him. But how wonderful and pleasant it is. It feels good and it does good. So, obviously Jesus knew this when he prayed that it's not exactly a prayer that God's going to answer in the way that we kind of think that he might answer by reading it. So why does Jesus pray this prayer, that we will be in community? <clears throat> so for me, the most important takeaway from this passage is that unity is the most important thing. That the fact that we are together and of one mind and of one mission is the most important thing. God himself is unity in the Trinity. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That is an example of unity. <clears throat> but hang on. If I say that community is the most important thing, we've just done the whole discipleship course talking about making disciples and the Great Commission. Surely you'd say, isn't that the most important thing? 
That's Matthew 28, 19, which we, uh, I don't know if anyone did the disciple co- discipleship course last year. I recommend that as well. It was pretty good. I learned a lot. <clears throat> so consider the guy from the beginning, the guy with his side that was um, chopping down all of the, the corn. Yes, he is focused on the Great Commission. He is thinking about Matthew 28, 19. He is working hard. But without his community, he's not getting far. If the Great Commission is the goal, that's what we're aiming towards, then the community is the vehicle that is going to get us there. Verse 23, again. Then the world will know that you have sent me by our community, by our very community, the fact that we commune with each other in a loving way and a dedicated way and a self-serving way, then the world will know that we have God. So our unity will be the very thing that leads people to Christ. I absolutely believe not look only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Something that I would like to be better at. Sometimes I remember. Sometimes I don't remember to do that. And Jesus puts that verse even more clearly in Mark chapter 12, where he instructs us to love our neighbor as ourselves. Does anyone here feed themselves? Does anyone eat, eat food? I eat, I eat food. Okay, nice. Does, it, does anybody like dress appropriately for the weather or for the event that we're going to, particularly in the winter? Like, do we wear the proper shoes and coats and stuff? Sometimes. Sometimes. <laughs> we we try to though, and we'd notice if we didn't. And do we? <laughs> and do we? Think about our own comfort and try and direct our lives so that we have maximum comfort and minimal pain most, most of the time. That would, that would be nice. And I'm not saying those things are bad. Continue eating and dressing appropriately and <laughs> relaxing. That's fine. But that is called loving yourself, looking after yourself. So when Jesus says, love your neighbor as yourself, he means... Consider the needs of the other people to the same basic way that you consider the needs of yourself. And my second point is this. Community starts at home. This is your home church. You have your home where you live. So think for a second, who do you live with? If you live alone, who do you spend your, the most amount of your time with? I live with three girls. (laughs) But that's where my community starts. That's where I get to practice community. That's where I get to talk about community. And from what that that community looks like is how my community with other people is going to look like. And I like to be intentional about it. Sometimes I go with the flow. But those are the people that we should firstly love as we love ourselves. And then through that, that's your, good, that's your, that's your training ground to love other people. <clears throat> and so here's an interesting point. In every relationship we have, starting with those ones at home, we have our rights and we have our responsibilities. 
as a dad, I've got two lovely daughters. I could say it is my right as their father that they respect me and obey me and do what I say. But actually, it is also my responsibility to train them and educate them in what that looks like. I can't expect them to respect me if I don't respect them, because then they won't know what respect looks like. And then hopefully, through that, they will grow up to be reasonable members of society who contribute well and powerful women of God, which is what I really love. And as a husband, I could say, well, Ephesians 5 says, my wife should submit to me, and that is my right. Or is it my responsibility to read actually what Ephesians 5 says to me and to treat my wife with honor and respect and to love her as Christ loved the church and to focus on that more than I should focus on how she's treating me? That's my responsibility. Good, Adam. Our, our youngest daughter, Zariah, she's 11 months old. And uh, sometimes she wakes up in the night. Sometimes she doesn't, which is really great. I like those nights. Sometimes, sometimes she wakes up in the night. And Lukey and I kind of, we, we have like a, an informal agreement that we take it in turns if she wakes up in the night. So if I went, if I went one night or earlier that night, I could, I could think to myself in my half-asleepness at 5 a.m., I could be like, oh, she's crying again. Oh, it's great. Yes, it's Lukey's turn. Sweet. If I was focusing on my rights, I could do that. And I would, that's okay. And sometimes Lukey might get out of bed and do that quicker, and that would make me feel great. But also, instead of that, I could be focused on my responsibilities, and I could think to myself, even though I did it last time, I love her, and I know she loves sleep, so I'm happy to, I want her to have maximum comfort, and I will go in and do what I need with the baby. That's just an example of me trying to focus on my responsibilities above my rights. And there are lots of other examples, and I'm sure you wouldn't have to think too much before you kind of came up with a few yourself. I mentioned at the beginning that Luke and I are also life group leaders, and there's different rights and responsibilities that come with that. Sometimes I catch myself thinking, oh, life group didn't go so great tonight, or I don't have anything planned coming up, or I feel like this person, I didn't really like how this person spoke in life group, or this person hasn't come in a while, and I don't really know what to do. I could, I could, I could lose myself in those kind of thoughts, but actually, I need to focus on my responsibilities, which is to love my life group community, to encourage them, to build them up, to disciple them as best as I can, whether or not they come or contribute or anything, regardless of what they do. <clears throat> and you too have rights and responsibilities, both as the, any of these examples, as a parent, or as a husband or what? Okay, and then, and then also you had kids. Did they, um, did they listen to the Ten Commandments? Did they respect their mom and dad like, like Moses told them to do? Did they do that? And then, I tell you what, I mean, it was a bit of a risk, but do you remember when we sent you to Canada? <laughs> we weren't sure how that was going to go, but... And then Lifehouse Church, I mean, it could have gone either way, but you made it work, so what, like, but were they okay? Did Lifehouse, did they commune, did they commune with you well? Did you do well? Well, can you imagine if Jesus said that to us when we got to heaven? <laughs> or is he going to say to us, Hey, Adam, welcome. Come on into heaven. But let me ask you a quick question first. How well did you love others? How well did you look after those people that I put in your care? 
Do you think you did well? So, if Jesus doesn't, the, the first, we laughed about it, Jesus wouldn't do that. So, why can we sometimes get so focused on those things? Why are we someone, oh, that person, they let me down. They didn't communicate well with me. Like, I've been coming to church for a few weeks, but no one's invited me to anything. Or, I don't really have any friends here. I don't really like, actually, yeah, James said something I, I don't really agree with, so I'm, I'm just going just gonna to leave the church. We can, we can be so quick to criticize other people of not doing community well, but actually that's, that's not your concern. It's about how, how are you going to do community well. So as I close, let me just recap the main points that I had. Firstly, community is the most important part of our walk with God. Because by our community, the world will know that we are from God and we represent Him who he, and He is community in Himself. And secondly, every relationship we have, you have your rights and you have your responsibilities. Which one are you going to focus on this week and going forward? And finally... Galatians 5.13 You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. Amen. Adam, thank you so much. Is this on? Check, 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 test. Adam, thank you so much for sharing this morning. I don't know about you guys, but my heart is full. I, I feel encouraged. I feel uplifted. I feel challenged to really focus on, on living out this thing of community that God has called us into, fellowship with him and with one another. And really, it comes down to every single time that we get together, it's making that shift from, from I'm here for me to I'm here for him and for others. It's getting that focus off of ourselves, right? And, uh, and I, as we close, I just want to remind you guys, uh, if you're new with us, we'd love to connect with you over here under the tent. Uh, as James mentioned last week, we, we can't yet congregate and hang out here. You know, we've got to keep our distance. But the park is over there and it's a beautiful spot to hang out if you want to have an extended hangout time. Uh, it's, such a, it's such an amazing privilege and blessing to be able to be together. I'm just going to close this off in prayer, and then we're going to put this word into action, and we're going to live out this thing of love and community and living for the Lord and for one another. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for another day, another opportunity, another blessing to be together, to dwell together, Lord. Thank you for this word that we just heard, and God, I pray that it would be God, teach us how to love. Teach us how to follow, uh, follow you in giving ourselves away, in giving our lives for you and, and for those around us out of, out of love, oh Lord. Thank you for the people that you're going to place in our path this week, for the opportunities that we're going to have to shine your light, to bring you glory, to live out of your love. I, I, I pray that each person, as they, as they leave this place today,
would go in the power and love of your Holy Spirit, would go on mission, would go on purpose, would go with your heart, knowing your, your pleasure and delight over their life, oh God, walking in your favor, living out the call and the destiny that you have for them. God, again, thank you for this time. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Bless you guys. Thank you so much for joining with us. Have an amazing week.